0: Hey, hey, a brand new episode of the Happy Productive Podcast is about to begin. It's time to be inspired by simple and actionable solutions for you and your business. If you're an established entrepreneur or just laying down the first brick of your future empire, the mantra is the same. We will flip any failure into a positive and use it to our advantage. This show is all about turning coal into diamonds with the right plan and mindset anything is possible. I'm Jennifer Dawn, your host, business coach, and founder of Best Planner Ever, and I'm here to help you achieve all your ambitious goals. Success is closer than you think. Let's do this. Everybody, welcome to the show today. I am really excited because when I saw the bio for <laughs> Stephanie come across my desk to be on our show today, I was just like so very, very excited. And I know that you guys are going to see that too. And I think you're really going to enjoy our conversation today so my guest is miss stephanie downs welcome stephanie hi nice to talk to everybody wonderful and stephanie do you mind just taking a couple of minutes and sharing with us a little bit of your history and where you've been some of the things you've done and what brought you here today Yes, yeah,
1: so it's funny, you go to talk about these things and you're, you age yourself, you're like, oh, I have a long history. And so, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I've spent most of my career, all my career actually in business with uh, most of it in entrepreneurship. So I started my first company in 1999, which was a digital marketing company, which is you know very common today. Back, but back in 1999, you had to explain to people what that was. Uh, and so that was a good time to get in on that game. And then I had that company for 15 years and later sold it. But along that journey, I had started volunteering in an animal shelter and then I went vegetarian and vegan and I decided I wanted to do more to give back. I wanted to somehow use my skills to, to make the world a better place. And so I actually carved out some time from my business and started helping out animal welfare groups in doing what they called corporate outreach. So I would go out and meet with large, you know, mainly global different brands from fashion industry, automotive, I worked on, I worked with chicken slaughter p- producer, you know, chicken companies, all kinds of different companies where I would go out and talk to them about the issues of having animals in the supply chain. But what I started doing um, during this time that was very unique is I said, let's go out when we meet with these companies, let's take them solutions. You know, let's not just tell them, here's a problem, stop doing something. Let's also go out and say, here's things you could do instead. And so that's where I kind of fell in love with this concept of alternatives. And then that led me down a different path. After selling my first company, I went on to start a plant-based meat company in India. Um, That was an interesting opportunity where I had a venture capital firm that wanted to back, uh, was backing innovations in in the vegan food space. And so I started a plant-based meat company, what quickly became the largest plant-based meat company in India, and then um, sold my ownership in that. And then my my most recent, and what I keep telling my friends, my last venture, I'm going to give this everything, is Uncaged Innovations. That is a plant-based leather company.
0: Oh, my goodness, I am so excited <laughs> to talk to you today. And there's so many directions that I could take this conversation. And for all of you guys listening, if some of the things that came up for me, if you're wondering, you know, how can I do my part to like save our world today? Because <laughs> we hear about all these different things that the world is facing, you know, the, the, the populations, the global warming, the pollution, all of these things. And so if you're wondering, well, what could I do to do my part to really help this beautiful earth that we live on? I think you're going to get some, some ideas and some inspiration from this today. If you have heard a lot about plant-based diets and, you know, vegans, being a a vegetarian and what that might look like for you, I think you're also going to want to tune into this episode today. (laughs) And I have always wondered, like, isn't there an alternative to leather? And when I went to your website, I was like, gosh, like somebody brilliant (laughs) is finally like on this. And so I definitely want to talk about that a little bit more. Now, my first question, though, Stephanie, is around the the plant-based, right? Being plant-based. And if you guys have ever done and guys in like, I'm not going to bash anybody. If you eat meat, it's okay. It's okay. It's not about that. I always feel like you should pick what you want to pick. But I know that this is a really hot topic these days. And so yeah. what, Stephanie, for you led you to, um, it sounds like you made some personal choices as far as like going to more of a plant-based diet. And then you started the largest, what became the largest plant-based meat company <laughs> in India. So I'd love to just hear a little bit of your story of what led you to make some of those choices.
1: Yeah, I always joke, I, I just went to an animal shelter to like, you know, have a different thing going on in my day, relieve a little stress and hug some puppies and walk some dogs. And next thing I know, you know, I'm starting a company on the other side of the planet. So um, it definitely was a, it was definitely a crazy path to getting there, but I couldn't, couldn't be happier with the way it all worked out. Right now, it's never been easier to be vegan. So that's, that's the great thing. If anybody does want to go a bit more plant based. um, I think one of the most popular terms is flexitarian. Um, And and to the point you just Mm -hmm. made, you know, I I think, you know, for me, the journey was that I was volunteering at the animal shelter, you know, I go every Saturday and walk dogs and clean kennels and things. And then I would go to this restaurant that was down the street, and I would get a pork barbecue sandwich, and mm. i one day i was just sitting there eating that sandwich and the light bulb kind of went on, you know, that I'd spent, you know, six hours scrubbing kennels, and, you know, walking dogs and things to help this one type of animal. And then I was sitting down and, and eating another. And so that was that was kind of my light bulb moment. I remember it very, very, very clearly. And so then I watched some videos, like I searched about, you know, animals and in, in slaughterhouses and things. And I watched some videos. And that was that was it, I kind of decided I wanted to go vegetarian, but it wasn't easy. You know, I, 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 you know, fell off the wagon, you know, I tried it, I, I can't cook to save my life. So I was just eating like a bunch of pasta. And so, you know, because this was back in 2000, uh, 2000, yeah. 2001. And so then I started eating meat again. And then I, you know, I just kind of went back and forth. It probably took me about six months to really kind of get in the groove and to lock and, and that's what I always tell people is that every meal makes a difference. You know, so if even people decide that they're going to do meat free Monday, or they decide they're going to not they're going to have because right now as Americans, it's very unusual, we eat meat for the most part three times a day, which is kind of yeah. unheard of globally, right. And, and it yeah. also would be unheard of by our ancestors, you know, people just 50 years ago mm-hmm. would never imagine such thing. Um, you know, so I always say to people, even if you, you know, every meal counts. And also, you know, we vote with every dollar. That's what, you know, to your point on and how can Mm -hmm. people make the world a little bit of a better place. You know, three times a day, you get the opportunity to make the world a better place. And if you just, you know, take a couple of those, it it makes a difference.
0: Oh, I love that so much. And it's interesting because (laughs) I was never raised, I mean, my grandparents would go I remember there was a little local dairy right on the corner of we, we would go out I'm a horse girl and so we would go out to the horses and there was a little dairy we would pass and we would get you know fresh milk from the cow and fresh goat's milk and that's kind of how I grew up my my grandfather was a hunter so but anything he killed like they brought home and we ate and that was just kind of how it went and later in life I don't even know what kicked it off but I just kind of started learning more and more about having a plant-based diet and being a horse girl, you know, horse slaughter is a big issue and we all want to protect Mm -hmm. our horses from that kind of an end. And then I was like, but wait a second, why would I protect my horse? I would never Mm -hmm. want to see that happen to him. And yet I'm willing to let all these cows and Somebody had given me a, a cookbook once with all this information about cows, and it was the coolest cookbook ever and I remember learning all these really neat things about cows and how they will you know adopt a young one if it's abandoned mm. or you know um orphaned. they have their little communities, and cows are actually really, really cool animals, and it's just like well why why would I you know not want to see that happen to my horse, and yet I'm so willing to allow these other animals to have that fate. And so for me, it definitely was about, you know, taking care of the animals, but then there's so much science behind a plant-based diet and living longer and our own Mm. health. And I started watching documentaries, um, for athletes who have gone to a plant-based diet Mm. and how much healthier it is. You see game change, you see game changers, changers, that's a great one. Yeah, I love that it's so great. And then you look at the environment <laughs> and the impact on the environment farming all these animals is having on our planet. Yeah. So for me, it was just kind of like a no brainer of just like, wait, it's better for the earth. It's better for the animals. It's better for me. I think I am a flexitarian, another term, <laughs> wonderful, because I occasionally will eat some meat. Absolutely, I will. Um, but generally, I try to swing towards more of a plant-based diet. And that has just been what's right for me, but I I love hearing your story as well. Where it's just like sometimes when you when you're an animal lover and you look at these animals and you go, well, why is it okay for this animal but not okay for that animal? Right. Yeah. It's, that, that, so that was my realization moment,
1: and I think I think for a lot of people, yeah, we we we're also so. We're so separated from it. Like, so to your point about when you were a child with the, the dairy cow and, you know, the, the kind of that local, um, I think a lot of people that those industries have done a good job with all their advertising and stuff of making people think that that's what it's like. And, and it's not. I mean, I've, I've toured slaughterhouses. I've been, you know, I, I've been in this movement for a while and I know people, a lot of people have done undercover work and yeah, it's far, far from what we, we like to think it looks like. Um, you know, those, those small scare farms are a whole different story, you know, but most of it is very industrialized and uh, very difficult on our planet and, and the animals but yeah, so it gives us a good opportunity to and right now it's just great as I said I mean there's so many fabulous options from almond milks and oat milks and you know to the different dairies and and the, the plant-based meats and stuff another interesting statistic for the audience to maybe know is the other way we think about it in the industry is that animals are horrible factories, you know, they, they as an entity are are a horrible piece of equipment, right? Like, for as example, you have to feed into a a chicken, nine calories of grain to make one calorie of meat. (laughs) <laughs> wow! you know so the amount you think about it you know like the, it takes two yeah. years to raise a cow right you have to feed them yeah. thousands and thousands of pounds of grain you know to ultimately I think it's like 10,000 liters of water goes into one steak making one steak you know because all the water they have the cow drinks all the great, all the yeah. all the um, water that goes into the grain that's fed to the cow all the water that has to be used to like clean up the facilities as far as you know food production machines animals are quite archaic right and as a as a society now we 've developed technologies, whether it 's the equipment that we can use to take grains and turn them into plant based meats or like in our our situation with Uncaged, we 're taking you know grains and different biomaterials and we 're turning them into leather <laughs> instead of having yeah. to grow the hide and tan the hide and you know the chemicals that have to go into the tanning process so you know technology is enabling us to leapfrog that, remove animals from the supply chain and, and let them have have their life
0: oh I love this so much, and what I love is that you have taken these concepts and actually like done something to move the planet forward. (laughs) I am like, okay, I'm going to go to more of a plant-based diet. But you figured out like how to make a plant-based meat that eventually became the largest plant-based meat meat company in India. Talk to me a little bit about that because I'm so amazed that like you take these concepts and now you actually create something to make this world a better place.
1: Yeah, and I, and I have to say, you know, it definitely was the scientists on my team that, that figured out how to do it from that standpoint. But the, the piece I bring to the picture, and I feel like my, one of my skills in life, uh, one of my few skills is I'm very good at taking an idea and turning it into a reality. And so um, the, the how that story kind of happened was after selling my first company, I took kind of a year off and was just kind of debating what to do next. Um, I, had, I really had no intentions of starting another company. I thought, I'm going to do some consulting or just you know do some, some more or less, you know, not quite so stressful things. Um, but then I had an interesting opportunity with a, a friend of mine that was involved in the VC world and just in general, trying to uh, focused in getting more plant-based alternatives. So this was in 2015 getting some more going in that space and so I um, he actually um, you know asked me to start a company in that space said he knew a VC fund that would put in some funding if I came up with a good idea and I, you know that's just not an opportunity you get very often and you know it was an opportunity for me I was you know very excited about veganism and, and alternatives so um, I did a lot of research and then ended up connecting with a couple people in India who were wanting to do something there and so we we and I, I went and spent a couple weeks in India I'd, I'd done some work there in the past. So I understood a little bit about the culture. But I spent a couple weeks going out to the grocery stores, talking to anybody that would talk back to me, the taxi person, some people next to me on airplanes, uh, strangers at a grocery store, you know, just kind of see where were they at? Because in America, you know, we already had the Tofurkey's and the Gardines, and then the Beyond Meats and the Impossible Foods Mm -hmm. of the world were just getting started, but really not not much was happening there. They had a handful also that were in the grocery stores. The interesting thing about India is about 95% of the population doesn't have access to frozen, to to refrigerators. And so, yeah. And even if we, um, if we put our meats into every single, like all the large grocery store chains across India, we would reach 3% of the population. So it's just a very different distribution The small villages, um, very different situation. And so I just felt like um, it was a great opportunity, because also in India, meat consumption is gradually increasing, because the middle class is increasing. And that's what you see in developing countries as the middle class grows, meat consumption increases. And yeah, now I just felt like it was an, a great opportunity, because a lot of people think of India as being a vegetarian country, but actually mm-hmm. 70% of the country eats meat. And they, oh, call it, they call it they call it non veg, so they have veg and non veg, and they very much okay. identify in one of those categories so but yeah, it was just an incredible opportunity. so we raised a couple million dollars. we built a factory uh twenty five thousand square foot factory, my first experience building a factory that was an experience in and of itself that I hope to never do again <laughs> so
0: <laughs> um but uh
1: but one of my partners handled a lot of that he had a construction background so that was a big help but yeah it was it was quite the ride within 2 years we went from an idea on paper to raising money doing the R&D which was done by food scientists and then launching nationwide across India and our launch event was actually in a stadium in Delhi with 10,000 people so it was wow. it was quite the quite the experience so definitely um definitely a lot of memories there
0: How did you guys solve the refrigeration issue? Because if most of the people there don't have refrigeration, how did you guys solve that? Yeah.
1: So when, when I was putting together the concept for the company, the two things that really stuck out to me is one, I felt like if we could produce something in India at a price point, we could sell in India because the, the cost of living there is significantly less than, you know, like in the United mm-hmm. States or Europe, um, where are we uh, one of the challenges with the plant-based meats breaking in in many places is, is the price differences. The plant-based meats tend to be much more expensive than conventional animal mm-hmm. meat. So I felt like if we could produce something in India and then, you know, and of course sell it in India, but also export it, that would be great. And then the other main thing that, I wanted to focus on was this issue of frozen or refrigerated because that significantly bumps up the price. So um, the R&D team did work on, it's called retort. Um, So if you ever bought anything at the store that's kind of vacuum sealed in like a a plastic Mm -hmm. container and it's vacuum sealed, that's probably retort. And so Mm -hmm. essentially think of it like canning the way you would in a typical can except it's done in a package. And so it sterilizes what's inside there that we take you know, it, during the production process. You take it to a high temperature and you sterilize what's inside there. And then that mm-hmm. enables it to be what they call shelf stable, where you can move it around without refrigeration. So again, wow. I can't claim credit for that. There was a team of, of scientists that worked on that, but kind of my driving push was, hey, we really... we. Uh, You know, our focus as a company needs to be let's let's figure out that problem because that's the only way we're really going to to get this moving around India because it's just too risky. You know, the supply chain, what they call cold storage, like even just moving frozen foods and things around, we Mm -hmm. take it for granted here in America because it's happening all around us, but it's it's very difficult in other countries.
0: Very very fascinating. Okay, and so and then from there, this idea of taking these plant based materials (laughs) and making them into something else. Where was the idea? For yeah. your current company, the Uncaged Innovations, like talk to me a little bit about, like, now how did that come about?
1: Yeah, so after I, I exited in, in the company in India, and my two partners there have, have taken it forward, by the way, then I decided I wasn't really sure. You know, I, I was kind of thinking about what I want to do next. And because of the work that I'd done before for animal welfare groups, where I'd gone out and met with companies like, Tesla to talk to them about going vegan on their interiors or different companies about faux furs and things. I'd had a lot of experience meeting with fashion and automotive brands around materials. And I, I felt like there was a really an opportunity there. Like there were, you know, some companies that, you know, just a lot of brands are looking for alternatives because in the fashion space, you know, they're under a lot of pressure to lower their environmental impact. Um, a lot of people mm-hmm. don't realize this, but the fashion industry is considered the second most environmentally damaging industry after um, oil and gas. And that's mainly yeah. because of the amount of, amount of waste right the end of life for most of our garments so it's it's estimated that every second a dumpster dump truck full of garments goes into a um a landfill, and you know mm-hmm. a lot of these materials can't be biodegraded or they're not you know there's just a lot of challenges in fashion, obviously it's an industry that um, encourages us to buy more, right? Like keep right. buying more and, you know, every new season, new trends. And so there's right. a lot of challenges and they want, they want to be more sustainable and about, um, if an, if a fashion brand looks at their environmental impact about 70% of their environmental footprint comes from the materials that they use in their designs. And leather is considered the most damaging. So leather is, you know, obviously it has to come from a cow, which has to be, you know, has a lot of greenhouse gas issues that come with cows and, you know, waterway damages and stuff. But even if we look at just the, the hide, um, you know, at the end of la- at a slaughterhouse, you know, it's not really a byproduct. because They have to take that skin and they have to take it through a very chemically intense process. Um, because if you just mm-hmm. took a skin, it would it would biodegrade, you know, it would start to break down mm-hmm. within a couple weeks. Right. So they have to take it yeah. through. A, uh, the best way to describe it in layman's terms is essentially they're embalming it you know, the way they're essentially, you know, they're taking something, treating it with chemicals to keep it from breaking down like one would a body, right?
0: And so it's treated with things. And when you say that, when you say that, Stephanie, I immediately am like, I love leather. And then I'm like, no, I don't. Because when you even think about now, you want to take this embalmed skin and put it on your body or sit on it in your car, it kind of like changes the whole like you don't realize you're like, I, right. I'm learning something new of like, oh my God, right. you're right. Because the skin itself would naturally decompose, but that right. process they have to do to preserve it. Oi, Okay. Keep going. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You'll,
1: ne- you'll never look at it the same again, will you? So, no, um, yeah. No. So, Right, because it, it would be a byproduct if you just took the skin and you know put it on a bag or whatever. But I mean, it, it goes through a pretty intense process, and so yeah. So that's um, you know, I just felt like and why I wanted to start in cage. Obviously, for me and my heart, it's about animal welfare. It's about you know doing something to help remove animals from the supply chain. But I also had to look at it from a business, you know, as I also looked at it from a business standpoint. I knew from my conversations and just other things that had happened um, in recent years that. The fashion and automotive industries are really primed to get away from not only animal leather, but the other challenge has been the only alternative available to them is synthetic leathers. And so Mm -hmm. like, let's say you go to a a Gap or a different place chances are what you would be buying is a synthetic leather. And, you know, from a vegan animal welfare standpoint, synthetic leathers are, are most are better. And also from an environmental standpoint, even synthetic leathers are better. But the challenge is synthetic leathers are made of plastic. 99.9% 99.9% you know chance if you if you've got anything in your house it's a synthetic leather it's probably completely plastic based and that's become a real challenge for the planet you know the, or it's been a challenge for a while mm-hmm. but you know it's really everybody's kind of woken up to it more in the last couple of years and so so for fashion brands they're a bit backed into, or automotive they're a bit backed into a corner because neither of the options available to them are great right so that's right. where the industry that we're in which people are calling the next gen leather industry mm-hmm. is really playing that point where and by the way i'll show some of this For those who are watching on camera, so this is is some of our material, um, and this is some of it in like a finished good, like a little eyeglass case. You know, our material is made out of plants. We did an analysis on it. It will emit 95% less greenhouse gases. It uses 93% less water and 72% energy, less energy. This is all compared to, to animal leather and it's made of different types of plants it's about eight different ingredients that we we bring together to to create the different characteristics of leather so yeah so it's a, it's an exciting time but for me it was mainly about the animal welfare but i could also see the business opportunity in front of us with the trends changing
0: Love how you, you know, took the the animal welfare, the love of our planet, <laughs> and then you combine that into a business idea of like, oh, now let me make a business out of this. So it just feels like it's a win-win for everybody. It's a win for the planet, for the animals, yep. for, you know, the manufacturers, the fashion industry. It's a win really for everybody. I'm super curious, like eight different kinds of plants. Like what are some of the plants <laughs> that go into making this? It's so fascinating. <laughs>
1: Well, we don't talk about it too much publicly. We try to keep it kind of proprietary, but I can talk about we're using like some some different grain byproducts. So in the production okay. of grain, like, yep. like wheat and soy and corn, um, there's various mm-hmm. things that aren't as desirable for human consumption. You know, when you think yep. about everything that goes into making that. Um, so we're using some different components from those. We're using some natural rubbers. Also the coloring comes actually from rocks, what's um, called mineral pigments. Oh. So, um, and then we're also using some extract that come from flowers. Uh, we're using some things from algae. So we have a bunch of a bunch of different things, and, and we can also adjust the formula, which is really important because you know the types of leather that's used in a handbag, like this one, you might see is like really drapey. I can kind, you know, it's very flexible and mm-hmm. kind of. Whereas like this one's much more stiff, mm-hmm. and you know because the the types of leather that goes into a drapey handbag or you know soft clutch is much different than what goes into an automotive seat. Uh, Right. Like it's processed very differently at the tannery. So so it's important to be able to adjust.
0: I love this. And so if your product ends up in a landfill, what what impact is it really going to have compared to, you know, a synthetic leather item that ends, ends up in a landfill? Yeah. So we've done biodegradability testing
1: and within a two month period, we had significant degradation of the, of the material. And to put that in perspective, um, an animal hide will take about 50 years to biodegrade and a synthetic leather, like a plastic leather will take probably a thousand years. Nobody's even really sure, (laughs) but I do want to also preface. So we're not greenwashing, which is one of the terms in our industry thing is there's also there's different, like we've done types of testing that soil testing, like, you know, Things buried in soil. We've done what's called co- like industrial composting and different types of composting. When things go into a landfill, sometimes that's a little bit dependent because if something has no air, you know. The, so I just I just want to make the point that it's yeah. a lot of different variables affect this. So I don't want to be saying you know like we're the perfect you know the, everything. There's sometimes certain conditions will affect the, the time frame.
0: Okay, but still, I mean. Your product, if it if it does end up in a landfill situation, these materials are going to break down. They're going to decompose. Yes. It's not going to be like this plastic that just never goes away, <laughs> never goes away. Yeah. And also, won't have the toxicity of of some of the chemicals
1: that come in, you know, other situate other solutions. So,
0: oh, I love it. So very cool. So now. <laughs> As a consumer, because I'm always wanting to do, I know, and I'm sure a lot of us feel like we're one person, you know, what impact can we actually have? And I think we actually do have more impact than we realize because we can make choices, we can vote with our dollars, And so how would I as a consumer if I want to go buy my daughter a purse for her birthday <laughs> and I want to use the kind of leather the next gen leather that you guys are using like how does a consumer tell the difference between you know we'll call it genuine leather and synthetic leather and this new next gen leather how how would I know that when I'm out shopping Well right now you know next gen leathers are not available in many places, just
1: because it's a, a you know, it's an up and coming industry. Like for us, we're currently produces piece producing pieces that are about one square foot, but we'll be do, getting to full scale this year. So we're just starting to partner up with different fashion brands and stuff. So they couldn't go find any of ours yet, but hopefully it should mm-hmm. be able to in 2024. There are other players in this space. And, you know, so if somebody comes out with something, I assure you, they won't be able to miss it because brands are so excited about this, that they're putting it on the signs, they're putting on the hang tags, like it'll, it'll be there. Uh, But I will say if like for right now, because, you know, it's definitely I'm a big believer in progress over perfection, you know, we as a planet and as as humans, change can be hard. And we have to keep, you know, just just Pushing forward, definitely converting from buying animal leathers to buying the synthetic materials. Um, again, the end of life is not great because of, of plastics' environment, you know, impact on the environment. But the production of synthetic leathers, or you know, or even things like cotton and stuff, you know, things that aren't animal-based, um, is much much better on the planet than the animal-based solution. So I would say, you know, if they can transition to the synthetics, um, that that is a good first step, and then hopefully these solutions will start coming coming available to them over the next year or so.
0: it, Got it. And so we have a lot of business owners who listen to our podcast. And so I'm sure there's somebody listening who has a business that they're either in fashion or they are in automotive or they're in some industry where they would use leather in the manufacture of their products. And so is that the kind of like for your company, like who do you work with? How does that work? Like if somebody <laughs> wants to develop or manufacture in this next gen leather, like where would they go? Would they seek out a, a company like yours or what What would that look like? Yeah, I mean, they
1: definitely um, can connect with us. That'd be wonderful. Our website address is uncagedinnovations.com. And we're also on Instagram. And um, and so if they go to our website, they also can fill out a form that, you know, talking about what it, they do, whether they're interested in investing or they're a brand. And, and that's another thing, thing we didn't talk about as far as investors. You know, we're, as a, as a startup company, we're just now closing a, an investor raise, but we'll be doing another one in a couple months. People can always come in and invest. That's a, also a good way to put your money where your, your heart is, so to speak. But yeah, definitely if they're with a fashion brand or anybody who's using any type of leathers, it's, it's kind of amazing, especially if you kind of stop and think about like, you can look around like the pillows in your house or the lampshades or things that are on your desk. Lots of different things have a synthetic or an animal leather on them. And it kind of touches um, everything in our lives. So there's lots of different ways that we could work with people, artists um, that are doing things. So many many ways to collaborate.
0: Oh, I love this so much. Okay. So Stephanie, we're almost (laughs) out of time, but Any final words, because I'm so amazed at how what an amazing job that you've done of taking these ideas and these concepts and creating products that make the planet a better place for humans and for animals. And so any final words for anybody who's listening to the show and is just like, hey, you know, I really want to do my part to help the planet, to help animals, to help myself be healthier. Any final words that you want to share on, you know, how to, how to help Right. Yeah. You know, there's a quote that I, I read once
1: that was, you know, nobody can help everybody, but everybody can help somebody. So I think you know whether it's it's the ways that we vote with our dollars or helping somebody that you see on the street that might need a little something. Um, I think we we all we all have to step up. Like the the planet, you know, it's just there's just so many challenges in the world. And I but I think we can fix it. And I think we're such an interesting tipping point as as a society from the standpoint that we have so much technology, um, we have so much information at our fingertips. And I I think we're just going to see such a huge huge changes in the coming decades. So you know just do little things like resharing things on Facebook or, you know, paying attention to what are the ingredients in, in what you're buying, you know, those types of things that go a long way. And you also, I think by doing that and, and, and talking about it with your friends or when you're at dinners, you, know, you live by example you if you order a vegetarian dish, or you order the tofu dish, it starts a conversation and It plants seeds. And I, I've been amazed over the last couple of decades, where I see somebody like five years after I'd had an interaction with them. And they'll say, you know, that conversation we had once at a trade show caused me to go meat free Mondays. And then one year later, I went vegetarian, thank you for saying, I, I think we just don't even realize all the little seeds that we plant. So I'd say just you know, live by example, and, and little little things matter.
0: Oh, that's so powerful. And one thing that you also said is we all have to step up. And I believe this so much because often we look to our leaders, we look to our governments, we look to big corporations, you know, to make these changes. And I got news for you guys: they're not making a lot of these changes. And you know, every time I see, every time I see one of these idiots talk about how, oh, you know, in the next (laughs) fifty years we'll reduce, you know, our imprint by three percent i'm like it's gonna take more than that you guys it's gonna take more than that and honestly we as individuals we as people we need to be the ones stepping up and and doing what we can do and not waiting for these bigger organizations or our governments to you know make it a law to to lead the way we can lead the way and there's so much of an impact that we can have because we can vote with our dollars And these companies listen, they listen to our dollars and we can make different choices, even if it's just as simple as a meat free Monday or, you know, emailing and asking your manufacturing company of like, Hey, what about this next gen leather? I'm hearing about, you know, can you guys carry this starting, right? Starting to request these products. There's things that we can all do if we, we step up and we start to do our part.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Everybody can fit into their day, five minutes to do a little something or to just to pick that different product. And yeah, it's, 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 it makes a difference. It makes more of a difference than people realize. I, I think it's important for them to know that.
0: Absolutely. Stephanie, I literally want to put you on like the whole disposable <laughs> mindset. Like I see everybody, this disposable mindset where we're just going to buy stuff and then use it once and throw mm. it away. And I'm just like, oh, I'd love to put Stephanie on that problem because you could solve it. You. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's so funny. I have to admit, you know, prior to getting into this space and stuff with, with Uncaged, I'm, I was a convenience consumer, right? Like if, if a bag or something got a little hole on it or the the zipper came undone or, you know, that, that tab on a a zipper broke. I just be like a new bag, you know? And then once you start to learn about everything that goes into our landfills and just all the way, like, I, it's so funny now I'm like, I could repair that. And, you know, like, you know, little, or we've started getting stuff off Craigslist or, you know, secondhand stuff. And yeah, I think anyhow, it's every little bit matters. So
0: really, really does. Recently, we're almost done, guys. But like recently I went, <laughs> uh, we took our family for the holidays on a Caribbean cruise. And we were in Tortola and we we took the catamaran out. We all went snorkeling. And we're having this amazing experience snorkeling. We're like with the sea turtles and the stingrays. And then you would look down and you would see a can or you mm. would see a piece of plastic floating in the water And it just broke my heart. And it's like, guys, this thing is real about trash and and the way that we live and there was even a bottle an old a water bottle floating on the on the surface and I swam way out Mm. and there was a ship that was kind of uh, docked (laughs) that not uh, anchored there and there was a woman sitting on the ship watching me and I'm this like rogue snorkeler like going after this water (laughs) bottle and she was like go get it and I'm like you know (laughs) at at the barn with with our horses uh, the motto is leave the barn cleaner than you found it that's the that's the motto and Mm. so we have that motto too when we go to the ocean in my family, we've learned to just, we always try to pick up trash, always try to do our part. And I'm going after this water bottle. And I'm just like, and I said to this woman, this stranger, I'm like, I got to leave it cleaner than I found it. Because right. it's just, it's a real, it's a real problem. Um, my son, it was so funny, he's 20, and he has better lungs than I do. And there'd be like a piece of plastic. And I was like, dive down and get that trash, because we're not leaving it in this ocean. But it's, it is, it's is—it's a real problem. And we all have to just do our parts and Stephanie, on behalf of myself and everybody else, I just want to thank you for being such a a leader in this space and not just talking about the change that we need (laughs) need to make, but actually developing products that really and truly change things. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you for helping spread the word. Yeah, absolutely. All right. One more time, really quickly, Stephanie, where can everybody find you if they would like more information? Perfect. So uncagedinnovations.com will take you to our
1: website. If you wanted to try and reach me personally, if you put in stephaniedowns.com. So my full name, Stephanie, last name, downs.com will take you to my LinkedIn page and you can connect with me there. But uh, easiest way is through the company website or our Instagram on uncagedinnovations.com and we'd love
0: to engage. Oh, I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much. And for everybody listening today, guys, don't just listen to the show and then do (laughs) nothing. I want you to listen to the show and then go pick up some trash, go like get use a refillable mug when you get your coffee. (laughs) Like little things matter. Uh, Go to a meatless Monday. You know, think of the animals that you're actually saving with just like those individual choices that you can make. But please just do, do something to take action so that it can be a win-win for us all. That's my my hope and my prayer and my challenge for all of you guys today. Stephanie, thank you <laughs> so much it. for being here. Everybody else, you guys get out there and have a happy productive day. I hope you found today's episode of the Happy Productive Podcast inspiring. Every successful business is formed by a set of small, consistent, and attainable steps. If you want to learn more, come visit us at jenniferdawncoaching.com to take your next step and learn how to meet your business goals. On our website, you're going to find free resources along with links to the life changing coaching programs that have transformed the lives of so many of our clients, including the Coaching Academy. And our unbreakable retreats. Many of them started their journey by listening to this podcast. That's it. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for our next episode.